You are listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast, produced by the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. I'm Luke, and we created this podcast because we want to explore Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. If you're interested in joining us on this journey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, or for more resources, check out changeoroville.org. Welcome to the Uncommon Truth. Uh, I'm joined by Steve today. Vicky is away on the women's retreat with the Father's House ladies. That's right. So they are on the way right now for us, and I'm sure they're going to have a great time. They really are, because to go on a women's retreat with Pastor Vicky is like, it's like a pate. It's like they just have fun. They, yeah. It's chillaxing. Uh, it's every every you know. We went to retreats in our in our Christian history as associate pastors as everything else and. You know, we eventually got retreated out. We had retreated from <laughs> retreats, you know. And so when we started them at the Father's House, Vicky just really started a plan for just some really chillaxing. And, and they're legendary. Yeah. Just the women just love them. They, you know, it's just plenty of teaching, plenty of prayer ministry, all that lovey-dovey stuff, along with just lots of rest. Yeah. Well, it's a chillax. And they're excited that, that there's this catered this year, so I don't need to cook. Or it's clean. catered, yeah. yeah. They, they, the camp <laughs> is making their food. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she tried to get me to go there for the men's retreat, yeah. but I said, these old men are not going to sleep on cots. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not. But yeah, when we got the men's retreat coming up later this summer, if you are a listener, it would be cool. Maybe you could join us, who knows. But We're going to Butts Lake. Yeah. <laughs> sounds so, so it nice. sounds so wrong for yeah. a church to have a retreat at Butts Lake. But the men's retreats are also pretty uh, legendary, too. They are, they're cool. Yeah. We always have a yeah. good speaker. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was wrong of me to say because it's always me. <laughs> uh, but now uh, we are in full swing, getting ready for the Kids Mud Run, which is one of the community Ooh. events that we do. So uh, if you don't know what that is, it is a obstacle course, a mud, a mud e uh, kids obstacle course that kids get to run for free in our community, and we have about. About two thousand kids signed up, something like that. Well, we expect three thousand. Right. Yeah. Right now, two. two something. We're past two and nice. headed towards three. And so you get three thousand signed up, you get two thousand show up. Right. Right. Because it's the world we yeah. live in. But probably two thousand. Last year was twenty-two, twenty-three showed up. Awesome. hundred and it's a madhouse. Yeah. It's banana boats. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the greatest days on. It's the greatest days to be in the Father's House Church, and just you feel like, man, we are. We are in a spiffy, or we really got a spiffy team doing spiffy yeah. things with a just wonderful group of people. Yeah, and maybe it's not going to be as hot this year, so. Oh, I think it is. <laughs> I I'm think it is. I'm hoping this weather that we're having is going to stick around for a little well, bit. It's the weirdest weather I've, you know, it, the clouds come and you put your coat on because it's freezing, yeah. and then all of a sudden the sun comes out and you're baking like right. it's summer. It's like middle of, it was like, wow, this is really hot. It kind of feels a little bit like England where I have to like. I can't count on the weather at the start of the day. No, you, yeah. you in England, yeah, yeah, yes. We go out. I have no idea why anyone lives there. <laughs> we step outside and it's raining, so we dress for the rain, and then an hour later it's sunny, and then I know it's crazy. It's that's that's again. what it is here. Yeah, it just really yeah. goes from hot to cold, and I keep my, I, it's confused. Yeah. And we got Jeremiah with us today because Kevin's away, and he's from the snowy cold. So yeah, who would live up yeah. there? <laughs> I mean, then that, he goes way north to Canada. Yeah. What is it? What's the name of that place? Manitoba. Manitoba. Yeah. And man, who who settled <laughs> Manitoba? It's like the first winter, I'd have been heading south. Like let's let's migrate south. How cold does it get there, Jeremiah? Uh, sometimes it gets up to minus fifty. Minus fifty. Oh no, the chill factor is minus fifty quite often. I've even been in Toronto at minus fifty-five. 
Oh, chill factor. My my nose hairs freeze. My mustache freezes yeah. the second I step outside. Oh, man. Can't breathe. But yeah, I spent many summers now in California, and I don't remember one like this in May. So no, it, no, this yeah. is the first May yeah. I remember. Yeah. So there really is climate change. Yeah, God is God is getting ready to do something, yeah. man. Well, let's dive in. Um, I Vicky's like I said, she's at the women's retreat, so we're gonna uh, do something slightly different. I'm we're gonna talk about a passage of scripture from Jesus in Mark eight, where he heals a blind man in Bethsaida, and this is uh, one of my favorite uh, messages or teachings that you do. It's part of your book, actually, and his likeness that we'll plug. Yeah, I wish you'd have told me ahead. I'd read the chapter, you know, because no, <laughs> I wish I'd have got a chance. But, uh, it is likeness is what is your book that's all about uh, what it really means to to live a life as a like Christ on the earth, essentially. Yeah, right? which one is it in his likeness? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And that is available if you're interested. If you like the podcast <laughs> and you want to read more, that's available on Amazon, I believe, right? I think so. I haven't yeah. looked in a long time. <laughs> I've so, sold so many copies. Yeah, yeah like eight. No, I'm, no, a couple thousand. But, yeah. um, but uh, anyway, they consider you a huge bestseller if you sell five thousand, and I haven't reached that, so okay. I'm sure it's under that. But uh, we, but yeah. So I'm gonna read this. This is in uh, Mark chapter eight, starting at verse twenty-two. All right, twenty-two. So it says, and they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus, and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again he laid his, his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored, and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, the he being Jesus, sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Man, is that a different it's, kind it's, of story? Yeah, it's not, it doesn't quite fit into the novel no. narrative. You know what I love about Mark is that it's clearly an eyewitness account. Yeah. It's always strange. It's like the one that says, go quickly and get my disciples and Peter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's rumored that Mark is, is dictated by Peter to Mark, to John Mark, the very guy that did not finish the uh, missionary journey with Paul and later, you know, Paul wouldn't take him. Right. And so then he repented. He became a great, great servant and great, mm-hmm. you know, disciple to these apostles. And, and it's, and it's believed that Peter dictated this to Mark. And so, it's like this eyewitness account from Peter's perspective, and that's why I love Mark probably the most. It's mm-hmm. really, I loved reading these stories there, and it's, this one here is just a different kind of story. And I think that it, it, it brings us so many of the missing pieces from the ministry of Jesus, right? Um, Bethsaida is a city that Jesus woes to later, yeah. and he tells them that if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the miracles they've seen. Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented long ago. Tyre and Sidon would have repented long ago. But on the day of judgment, it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for Bethsaida. And it's like, this is a doom and gloom city. And the story starts out with, they brought a blind man to Jesus. 
There's so much in that story I wish he'd have told us. Like, was the blind man coming resistant? Yeah. Did the blind man even know what he was doing or where he was going? Did the blind yeah. man know he was going to Jesus? And um, does the blind man even believe? And these people are doing this, and quite frankly, it's, it's really well, I think it's pretty well accepted that um, they were testing Jesus. Show us a sign. Here, 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 do this. Hey, here's a hard one. This guy doesn't even want to, or this guy doesn't even believe, and, you know, heal him. And um, he's certainly not like all the other stories of Jesus. He says, what do you want me to do? Or the blind man says, I want my sight yeah. or, you know, please have mercy on me. Son of David, don't pass me by. Right. Have mercy on me. And that's not what's happening here. There's no there's no call out by the person needing the miracle. And it's it's a beautiful and wonderful story because it, Jesus takes the blind man by the hand and brings him out of the village. Then we hear the story and then he says, do not go back right. to the village. And I'm like, well, he's already healed. Why not go back through, you know? And it's um, there's a there's a in my opinion there's an innuendo that says the blind man's healing was at stake based on his belief, mm. and um, <clears throat> Jesus the heading in most Bible says the city of unbelief, mm. Bethsaida being woed by Jesus, being known by you know the the biblical community as the city that really doesn't believe, and it's. Even Jesus in the city of unbelief, when he tries to heal a guy, he's not 100% healed. This is such a remarkable story of the almost healing, right. the partial healing. Yeah. And, and then he, you know, uh, in another story, it says he spit and made mud and put right. it on his eyes. And there's just this, this there's overacting going on here. Yeah. Something Jesus doesn't do any other place right. where he performs something for the guy to help his belief. And then the guy is healed. He says, I see men walking like trees, you know. I see blurrily. And, and then so he says, you know, tries it again. And he rubs this mud in his eye in the other stories. And in this one, it just says he, um, you know, laid his hands on his eyes. And he sees, do not even enter the village, the city of unbelief. And a lot of us are wanting these miracles in our community. We want them around us. I, I, I guess it's okay to tell a story about Smith Wigglesworth, you know, a writer. There was a writer wanting to go see Smith Wigglesworth. Smith was at the end of his life living in a house. I think he was still doing some meetings, but not, not nearly traveling as much. He was old, and he was coming to the end. And this writer had an appointment for an interview, and he wrote a train there. So in writing the train, which is common in England, oh, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 And he rode the train to the man's house, and he got off, and in, in a, because of this, tra it was a travel to his interview. He bought a newspaper and was reading the newspaper. Folded the paper up under his arm, and as he was approaching Smith's house, Smith opened the door and said, "Stop! Don't you come anywhere near my house." And the man said, "The, the reporter said, but I thought we had a appointment. You and I have an appointment, but that doesn't come anywhere near my house." And the man looked around where he was pointing, obviously under his arm. He said, this, the newspaper? That thing is full of lies, and lies don't come in my house. And the reporter put the paper down, and then he was welcome to enter Smith's house. That has really been a story that's affected me yeah. for a long time. I let a whole lot of lies in my house. I have a television set, and almost every channel I come on has lies. It has lifestyle lies. It has it has teachings about all kinds of 
perverted lifestyles. It has movies with nudity, cussing, antichrist, uh, rejection of Christianity. It has movies of false Christianity, the false representation of the Jesus walk, of the truth. I mean, and all these things. And yet I want the miracles that Smith Wigglesworth saw. And he had this incredible standard. And I'm like, that is really an amazing story. And there's another story in the Old Testament. I wish I could tell the address, but God says to the Israelites, when they camped, he would come into their camp and he would, you know, they would know his presence and he would be a pillar of fire by night uh, and, a, and, a, and a cloud of protection by day from the heat. And he told the leaders of the Israelites, if you make your latrines in the camp, you've been, you've been getting lazy and putting your bathrooms inside the camp. And if you put your bathrooms inside the camp, I will not come in your camp. But if you'll walk away from your camp, and he gave them a distance, you know, whatever, uh, you know, steps it it's was. very specific. In very <laughs> specific. And build your latrines or your restrooms out there, and you will use them and not use inside your camp, then I will come into your camp and I will fellowship you and, and you will know me. I'll fellowship with you and you, you will know me and have fellowship with me. And that's another story. That's a biblical story that just absolutely mesmerizes me. It's, it's, it's fascinating mm -hmm. that we don't think what's dirty in our house or what's foul hinders the increase of the Holy Spirit yeah. or what's dirty in my, my body. Like my body gets to be dirty. And I don't mean, you know, I got dirt on me. No. I mean, I, I live amongst lies, immorality, selfishness. Uh, impurity, and I think that I cry out for God for more. Yeah, I I do feel the Lord in my house. I feel the Lord in my heart. I feel the Lord in my, and I pray forgiveness all the time that because of the things that I don't know, the dirt that's getting on me, you know. And I, I just understand. I want to come to an understanding that if I want more of the Lord, I'm going to have to stop hindering the Lord. And he goes to the city of Bethsaida. My Bible heading says the city of unbelief. And they bring him a guy, and he, and he tries to heal him, and he's only half, half able. And I think that that first attempt and that first partial healing, it upped the guy's faith outside the city because he took him by the hand, let him out, got him away from his unbelief, and gave him an experience that would help his belief. And then he was healed. And the instructions at the end are, do not walk back through the village, man. Don't even go back there. Do not go back yeah. to the city of unbelief. Go to the city of belief. Go to a lifestyle of belief. And I, I think about that often, you know, that my faith, that God does these things and they're kind of partial and they're kind of part. And they're, it, it seems like he could have done more. He could have, I wish he would have been greater. Or, and it's like, well, this got you this far. Is this something that would make you to want more? Would you then, like, be forgiven? Like, ask for forgiveness? Like, get cleansed? Look around you and throw the books and the newspapers outside so that he can come inside your camp. Move your latrine or go to the far end of the house from the latrine, you know, from the bathroom. And, and, and things like that. I'm not saying that we today need to not have bathrooms in our houses. But, I mean, just when you think of this concept of how, where does this, you know, where is this applied? This is a pretty weird idea that the Holy Spirit comes to live in my unholiness. But does he really bring all that he wants to bring? Does my city of unbelief called my body, my, my culture of unbelief called my town, my, my city, my, 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 let's say, call it my country culture, like each of you have a different country than me, and our country culture, does it 
Does it foster a, a, a welcome presence of the Lord so that blindness can be healed in one prayer? Mm-hmm. So that Brian, in our world, blindness can't hardly be healed. Um, you know, cancer, uh, all the things that are just horrifying to us. Can we see them healed? Do we have the city of unbelief? I was thinking of Heidi Baker, you know, the further they get from a city, the more miracles they see. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no newspapers. There's no television sets. There's no radios. There's no lies coming in. Right. You, they get out there and they're in a sticks, man. They hold yeah. a meeting and people come walking to the sticks and they have a gathering. And they show the Jesus film with a little uh, generator they carried, a little projector they carried, and they hang a sheet and show the Jesus film. And they have these phenomenal miracle services where even people bring the dead in their raised. And it's like they got way far away from the culture, presence of sin, of unbelief, of immorality, of sexual immorality, of just straight up lies everywhere. They could even be in a place that's heavily a different religion. Mm -hmm. And they still have this happen because God's not intimidated by their faith in something. Mm -hmm. He wants to change their faith through their faith in him. And I, I don't know if, that, if this is all making sense no, or I'm just, good. you know, yeah. really taking us on a journey here. But I love this story. I love that it's told by Peter. It, you know, I imagine it is. And I love that it's this eyewitness account of what he saw. And it's such a beautiful account. The city of unbelief. Jesus takes him outside. Yeah. And we, I think we should really look at our lives and see what in our lives is causing unbelief yeah. and try to get outside of that cause. Try to, to try to connect ourselves with what brings belief. Move, I mean, in the metaphor of that other story, move the latrines out. Yeah. Make it like, if you come, I want you to be able to come in here. I want you to be able to enter my house. I'll fill my house, fill my life, fill my heart. So I want to quit looking at stuff. I want to quit seeing things, hearing things, saying things that, that are objectionable to the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit of God. I want to I entertain him as a guest in my house, my church, my town, my state, my heart. Well, well, I think that, um, you know, we, we've been studying uh, Ephesians recently on the podcast, right? And we, we saw within Paul's writings that, that call to go from the old life to the new life, from dark to light, and we talked, you know, and be and born again. Be born again. And then I think sometimes the the challenge for us is that we we see that call to that, but we don't often. Exp- people struggle in the I'm 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 different, but I'm not all the way different, or I'm still feeling like I've got this in me, and I'm trying to be this way. And I think the story, as you were sharing about it, then was that. You know, we, we experience this born again experience, and it's it's a it, it he he has the capacity to completely transform us, but it's, it gives us the faith to keep going forward, right? And I think that's a really yeah this transforming yeah. that Paul was talking about, and this this city of unbelief or the place of belief. Yeah, I think that it's it's really how much we let happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we are being taught things that say it's automatic. It's a catapult. Mm-hmm. It's not a catapult. It's a mountain climb. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's a working out your salvation with fear and trembling, saying, I don't want those things in my house. I don't want that thing in my house. I don't want that thing in my house. I want God to be welcome. And I've seen in the Bible, I read the Bible, and I see that he's not. He, he doesn't welcome those things. He doesn't welcome this thing. He doesn't welcome lies. He doesn't welcome immorality. He doesn't welcome perversion. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm going to put these things that have that. Like if, if I get a entertainment magazine, you know, it's just full of junk. Yeah. And, and he says that will affect him. We want to say, oh, no, it's automatic. It's all under the blood. So all those magazines on my counter or all those stories being told on the TV news or all the lies in the paper over here, they don't affect him. But, well, he said they do. And the blood of Jesus doesn't cleanse the newspaper. It doesn't cleanse the television. It doesn't cleanse any of these things. It only cleanses me. And if I pray for forgiveness, I have a chance to have some elevated or extra presence of God in my life. But if I don't listen to him and try to make my church holy, try to make, you know, remove the obstacles. I'm not saying trying to make it holy is not what I'm really meaning. It's trying to remove obstacles to his coming. Like just let's just move the latrine outside. Let's just move it back. Right. I want to build a, I built a wall, a four year wall and the bathroom's on the other side. And it's like, well, you know, I just, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but I'm going to try anything Mm -hmm. to increase the power and presence of God in the room so that then I can increase the power and presence of God in my life. And, and when we gather in his name, two or more of us, he's there, but I want more. I'm really grateful for what we've got, but I want to study what allows more. Mm-hmm. What will cause him to rush in like a flood when the enemy raises a standard, mm-hmm. you know? The Bible says when the ra- enemy raises a standard like a flood, the Lord comes in. Yeah. People read it opposite, and they say when the, lo- when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises a standard. But I think it means when the enemy comes in, the Lord raises a f- flood. Mm-hmm. He floods back. And I think... That's the kind of presence and power I want in my life. The kind that Heidi talks about where healings occur directly related to how close they are to a city or a hospital. What do people trust in? I want to be in a place where I trust only in him. Yeah. Then I think we, we would see an awful lot more of these miracles. That's good. So what do we? What do you think this uh, the village of unbelief looks like for us today? Like he says, do not go, do not even enter the village. So what? What are some of the things that maybe you've seen over the years of discipling people that are the village that people go back to that slowly? Well, it's full of places of higher education, yeah. jobs with lots of money and yeah. lots of benefits, um, lots of medical provided so that you don't have to trust in God, but you can trust in something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of strip clubs, bars, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, entertainment, like every kind of entertainment there is to mm-hmm. take up your time. And it has newspapers, magazines, televisions everywhere, and lots and lots and lots of substances for you to abuse if you want to. Yeah. Lots of temptation, lots of adultery, lots of immorality. Mm-hmm. That's what the city of a really a unbelief looks like. Right. And then we have to decide what part we want in our own life. Do we want something that um, undermines my faith in him undermines my welcoming of him or undermines me providing a suitable dwelling place for his spirit. See, I think that worship with two or more of you gathered, the corporate worship of any church is the suitable dwelling place of God's spirit. And I think that we should really concentrate on getting all the other stuff out the door. Hmm. That's really good. We have the, you know, the, what's the word, first-hand experience of this quite dramatically in that we have Life Recovery Ministries, which is the recovery program that mm. runs us in Denver, I don't know, a lot of years now. And uh, we see these people that come in who, a lot of them have no concept of, of Jesus, and they, they have an encounter with him, and 
it's almost like they they start to see they start to see men like trees they don't have perfect vision but they have some kind of you know experience and it's like wow everything's starting to be different and we see them go one of two ways some of them continue forward into that healing and transformation and others you know somewhere along the road allow something to creep in that causes them to go back to the old village seduction yeah. yeah and so what are some of the things you think that cause us to maybe the village itself might be quite obvious like all the things that you said but what is right. it that causes us to actually start to go back there sometimes it's maybe even like we don't think we are we just like get i think quite often we forget the bad things yeah bad things seem to diminish in our memory hmm. you know and we we remember the good things and then we overemphasize or over remember the good things yeah. they're better than they really were yeah. and they and and so it really doesn't take much to get you moving back towards so in mythology, there's a thing called sirens that call out, you know, and that's where we get sirens, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the, the warnings, warning, sirens, warning. Yeah. but these aren't sirens warnings. These are sirens seducting, seducing yeah. and, and uh, calling you in. And so I think that the nature of the slithering um, serpent in the tree in the Garden of Eden and the voice that Jesus offered Jesus so many things tempting in the wilderness. I think that's that the voice of the, that being is a siren's call mm-hmm. for and it just soothes you and makes you forget the negative and only remember the positive and you right. start to um woo your it woos you back in and i have a prayer that i want all the time is don't let me forget don't let me lose my vision my memory my understanding of what life was like without the presence of god in my life mm-hmm. without without jesus coming into my city of unbelief and taking me out of it. What was life like? I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget how bad this can be. Or else, down the road, I'll start thinking and going, you know, that wasn't so bad. I can handle that. Yeah, you know, I, I only made a few I only made a few mistakes and I, I followed the wrong guy. Or I only made I only worked at the wrong place. Or I I lived on the wrong side of town. But I could go back there and be okay. And the truth is that's that's really dangerous. And that's what seduces us. And I'm using the metaphor of a city, but that's how life is too. Like, you know, I'm not really an alcoholic. I can I can handle one drink or, you know, or you know, the problem wasn't that I like to get high on Friday night. The 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 problem was that it, it, I let it get into every day. Hmm. I could still get high on Friday night and I'd be all right. And we get seduced by these hmm. things in our brain, these sirens call, this seductive word from the beast and the uh, sliding down the tree. Yeah. To woo us back from life into death. Jesus came to, O death, where is thy sting? To snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And what the siren call is, or the the enemy's seduction is, is to try to woo us back into death from the hand of victory. To take it away from us. And sometimes he'll paint death and make it look like a victory. Mm -hmm. Until we're deep in it, and then we realize we're actually in the bowels of torture. Yeah. And I guess, unfortunately, you know, uh, one of the realities for the for the Jews in this story was part of the unbelief was the rel- the religious order as well, right. right? And I think maybe for some of us in in church settings that sometimes w- we, when we lose sight of Jesus as uh, you know someone who's real and alive and in us and he kind of becomes we start doing church because of for religious reasons then i think often that can cause us to to 
move into unbelief and start to compromise and fall away because it lose if he if he's not part of it and it loses its power. Absolutely, and and that's you know Jesus. What follows this is Jesus saying, "Who do people say that I am?" Mm. Takes him and shows him this, and he barely heals a guy, and then he heals him. Yeah. Who do people say that I am? You know, it's it's what are they seeing and what are they being allowed to see? You know, uh, well. I, I I think it's really clear in this um, story that the question or the outcome of what Jesus does in Bethsaida is that you know he wants to know: Are you seeing the truth? Are you getting this? Do you know that I'm who I am? Yeah. What are you inviting me for this blind man for? To heal him? To show mercy? To to deliver from torment? Or are you here to just say, let's see what he'll do when faced with an impossible task? Yeah. You know, how will he do this? And I think that that's, you know, the whole three years ministry is, you know, will you look at me? Or will you only look at the precepts of men taught as the doctrines of God and bring you to confusion? See, today, the 90, I mean, it's just absolutely rampant epidemic to teach the the precepts of men as the doctrines of God. Um, people will just say something and it becomes, that becomes doctrine. That's who God is because I said that's who God is. And it's so important to look and see who God says he is. Wow. The precepts of men as the doctrines of God. Put it on a bumper sticker and you could have a cult by tomorrow. You have a whole religion based on that by tomorrow. And it's so fascinating. You write a worship song that says untruths in it, crazy untruths in it. And people will sing it all over the world. If it's a good song, they'll sing it, and that will become the doctrine of the Christian church based on uh, a worship song. And, people, and I would say that uh, when, you do, uh, when they do a poll, how do you get your theology? How do you come to believe what you believe? Well, Honestly, the number one thing is worship songs. Because we, yeah, we learn, we we memorize things through it, right? Right. Yeah. And the odd, uh, the uh, number two is yeah. catchphrases. Yeah. People say, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and uh, you know, it's not untrue. It's just not true. Right. It isn't actually a thing. And you know, God loves those. God helps those who help themselves. Somebody said that one time, many years, hundreds of years ago, and it just became the doctrine of the church. Mm -hmm. This is what Christians believe now, and I think that. We that's what the Jews did in that town, which you're asking about was they just they decided the circumstances of their life dictated who God was and how God should be handled mm -hmm. and how God should be taught, how he should be followed. And Jesus comes along with a completely different thing, saying, who is it you actually think that I am? Yeah. You know, proclaim it. Yeah. And when they say Christ, it means one thing to them and another thing to him. Right. Well, in the end, the only one that matters is what it means to him. Yeah. If you can, if you don't try to figure out what the Christ is based on what the Christ says about himself, <laughs> and you don't try to figure out who God is based on who God says he is, yeah. you're going to have one of these very aberrated religions, just like the Jews of Bethsaida did, where your city becomes the city of unbelief, where people who claim to believe are actually going to be lost because they followed what you said belief was. It's better to go back to the source and find out what God says about himself and believe that instead of what, you know, we, we the, doc, the the worship songs and the bumper stickers say. That's really good. Just scrolling through a little bit later in this chapter, and it 
like I said, it goes next to the Peter's. Well, it starts with the, the when he tells them uh, to beware the leaven of the Pharisees, and they start talking about the bread. And he's like, "If you're not figured it out yet, I, I can make bread as much as I want." But <laughs> like, it's not about that. It's about this. And mm. then he then this story that we read about the healing leading out of the village, and then he asks them, "You know, who, who do you say that I am?" As you mentioned, and just at the, at the end of the end of it, he says to them. Uh, in verse 34, he says, And he summoned the crowd of his disciples and said to them, If anybody wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I you know, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of when he comes in his glory, in the glory of his Father with his holy mm. angels. And just that in the context of you just saying, like, it matters who he says the Christ is, and, and therefore it matters how he says you have to come to yeah. him. And if he says the way to come to him is, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Yeah. You know, that means the, the, the village of unbelief, the old ways, the old lifestyle, right, that if that's not if he's not saying that's the way to come come to me then it's not going to work out well it's really not you're not going to have the results you're looking for right. or, or dreaming for right. you might start saying you have them but right. you don't really have them no. and i think christianity is really guilty of that yeah. creating god in their own image and right. creating god in their own desire like you know making it so he is what they want him to be instead of he is what he is and i think we're really lacking in this world i think the major uh major western countries like the united states england canada um, the the other with the Catholic nations mm-hmm. like like Spain mm-hmm. and Portugal and Mexico that are so heavily span heavily Catholic and all parts of South America yep. so heavily Catholic well they've lost their faith because right. they rewrote it because they they all all of all of these nations their church attendance is falling through the floor these younger generations are not going to church no. and the church long ago decided to do what you're saying to make God in their own image yeah. to not deny themselves they decided to say it doesn't take denying yourself yeah. all you got to do is in one religion it's all you got to do is a sacrifice mm-hmm. a sacraments, sacraments and you're saved yeah. you don't have to deny yourself just do the sacraments go to confession do whatever you want as long yeah. as you confess as long as you confess and do yeah. these things yeah. and then other churches just teach that um god doesn't discipline mm-hmm. that that there is no requirement there's nothing you need to do after you say this prayer at an altar and it's just man making God in his own image. It's not following what Jesus is saying. And here in what the story you read, deny yourself and follow me. Yeah. I mean, it's very specific. It's what he's telling us. Yeah. And it's, you know, do we have ears to hear? Do we have eyes to see? And in this um, city of unbelief is perpetuated by people called the children of God. Yeah. It is It is a city of unbelief full of people of God, the children of Israel, God's people. Um, And it's called the city of unbelief. And it's like cursed by Jesus. He's telling it, you have totally lost your way and failed. You know, better for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day than it will be for you, Bethsaida. Better for Tyre and Sidon than it is going to be for you, Bethsaida. And it's like, whoa, man, this is not good to be in Bethsaida. Maybe Bethsaida should change. Mm-hmm. Look look a little further than the worship songs to learn who God is <laughs> and look what, what God says about you and who you are. And 
lay your life down. You know, it really says, what does it profit a man? Gain everything and lose his soul. Isn't it better that he lose everything and gain yeah, his soul? Right. Lose even his life, it said, what you read, yep. even his life, you know, and be saved. And I think that we should go ahead and let God tell us who he is and not try to make him in our own image. Right. And I think that the Western church, and I, I've been guilty of this thinking myself, is that I guess I want to have my cake and eat it, or it's like kind of like I, <laughs> I want to live for Jesus, but I also want to gain the world at the same time. Like I want both. I want maybe prosperity and success, et cetera, et cetera, plus living for him. And, and not that they have to be exclusive, but I think that if I, I have to just pursue him, seek him first. And he might add that stuff to me, who knows? But if I'm trying to pursue both things at the same time, it's I can't serve two masters, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. Mm-hmm. I think that's my... I think for me, the village of unbelief that I might be the most guilty of returning to is that idea of the... I mean, it's not for me the American dream, but that idea of, you know, the, the things that we that we, that we we desire, that we're trained to desire from you know a home and a, th- and a job and money and a this and a that and i think sometimes those things are destructive sirens that aren't bad things necessarily to desire but they if it causes me to pursue that above jesus and i think yeah. i'm in dangerous water right well i think anything you do <laughs> to pursue god above yeah b- to pursue above god yeah <clears throat> i am uh, absolutely scared to death yeah. for that that all these people going to church are not getting it because the story is being changed. They're being seduced. They're being, the siren is calling and they're going to church attending or watching online, not acting upon the words of Jesus. He said, anyone who hears these words of mine, these sayings of mine, which is the new covenant red letters and does not act upon them is like a man who built on the sand. And when the sun and the wind and the waves rises up, his house will not stand. It will fall. And I'm so worried. You know, sometimes just, I'm just mortified that anybody's house would fall. I don't want anybody's house to fall. I try so hard to teach pastors to stand in a gap, to stand on a line, to stand on and just watch over their flock and protect them from wolves, sirens called, wolves who would whisper to them in their ears or serpents that would talk them out of their position in the Garden of Eden. And just really... As pastors, we have to put others first. We have to be unselfish and give our life for our flocks and for our neighbors. And I think as, even as Christians you do, but I know as pastors we do. And we, we really need to believe and understand that if they do not deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow him, they're not going to get there. <clears throat> and if they don't hear the words of Jesus and act upon them, they're, the, the wind's coming. It says right. when the wind when, and the rain yeah. come, it's going to blow them down. And so this, what was the key? To hear and to act, to firmly foundation yourself on the rock, which is the knowledge that he's the Christ, which is where we're going in this Mark 8. We're going to, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And then the story of the rock being the action taken on the teachings of Jesus. And if we don't start acting upon it, I just, I'm mortified for our outcome at judgment. We will. It's, Paul says, don't be mocked. Every one of us will stand before judgment right. and give an answer for what we did, and especially those of you who claim to already believe. You said you believed, but you didn't act upon it. You said you believed, but you didn't live the truth. 
He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. You're not going to get to the Father unless you go through Jesus, which is defined as living his life, being his body and his blood to the world around you, giving your life up so that you gain eternity instead of trying to find your life so that you lose eternity. That's really good. And that's what these verses said. All we did was read the Bible and say what they said. Yeah. It's like a Maybe it's a uneducated man's version <laughs> of what he said but that's what he said yeah, to me breaking it down and I, yeah, i'd love to i'd love to know why people don't see that mm-hmm. but it's it is a mortifying I- idea to think that people had a belief system they got all the way to believe but never got all the way to follow that's good yeah you know jesus says to the guy after he heals him don't, just don't don't go back right and I, yeah don't. I, I was thinking when i was reading that earlier that if he's not going to go back there, then the only place for him to probably go is to then follow Jesus, right? Yeah. It's like a, he doesn't quite say follow me, but that's my interpretation. Is he Don't wants to even go back in that village. Just, Don't know. go anywhere yeah. unbelief yeah. is. We're back to Smith yeah. Wigglesworth, and that right. paper doesn't come in my house, yeah. you know, in that story. If you'll make your latrine outside, I will come to you. Hey, what does it take to have God coming to me in, in, in really personal ways to sup with me and have fellowship with me? You know, it means open the door to him. He'll come in and sup with you. Well, let's not have any lies in here. Let's not have the latrine in here. Let's let's clean the house and do whatever it takes to make him comfortable with the holiness of the house. Yeah. Allow him to clean the rest of the house. Yeah, that's really good. So we thanks for joining us today. Unless I think that's a good point for us to close it. Just if there's blindness, then come to Jesus. And if there's been a healing, then keep walking with him and don't go back to the old lifestyle. Let's let's be born again and let's pursue that marathon, but it's worth it. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Vicky, Amen. I think, will be with us, and we're going to uh, keep... Sh- we love sharing the Uncommon Truth with you guys. Keep slugging away. You've been listening to The Uncommon Truth. Thank you so much for making us a part of your podcast routine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today and would love to get your feedback. You can tell us what you think about today's show at UncommonTruthPodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch to ask questions for Steve and Vicki or suggest a subject you'd like to hear covered. Either way, we'd love to feature your comments on an upcoming episode. If you're new to the show or just haven't done so yet, please take a moment to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps push the show up the charts so more people can find us. If you know someone who would enjoy the types of conversations that happen on The Uncommon Truth, click share on the podcast app of your choice or send them to uncommonpodcast.com. Until next time, have a great week and keep running after Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be.